Hi, welcome back to Ahead of the Curve, the Scoliosis Experience podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Teed, where my aim is to empower individuals with scoliosis and movement professionals alike by providing free, up-to-date information on scoliosis management and treatment. My goal is to help improve the quality of life for those with scoliosis and equip movement professionals with the knowledge and skills needed to effectively support them. So today our topic is body autonomy and scoliosis. And I was going to speak about something else. Um, I had that scheduled with my copywriter Um but several things happened in the past week that kind of made me change my mind. And I wanted to talk about what was going on in my brain. So um, I want to talk about this while it's fresh. And um, it's going to be quite a bit of story time. But I also want to give you some tangible ways to help improve your body autonomy if you have scoliosis. And also, if you're a movement professional, I think that this is still going to be helpful for you to listen to because it may be some things that you haven't considered before. So first of all, um, what is body autonomy? The definition of body autonomy is the right to make decisions about one's own body, including control over physical movement and medical decisions. It encompasses a person's freedom of choice when it comes to how they dress, how they present themselves, and their autonomy around their health care choices. Um, it also includes the right to be free from mental or physical coercion or influences from others. So it kind of encompasses a lot of things. And possibly when you were listening to me give that definition, a couple of things came to mind. Maybe uh, if you're somebody that has scoliosis, you have ha experienced some pushback and resistance um, as far as your own body autonomy goes. And um, it's definitely something that people with scoliosis tend to lose their bodily autonomy in several different ways. So one of those ways is bracing and being told that you have to be in this very uncomfortable position, um, wear this uncomfortable brace, um, for a period of time to help correct your scoliosis. So you're giving, given kind of an ultimatum, like either you wear this or you have surgery or, um, you know, your scoliosis could progress to the point that it gives you um, <clears throat> health issues down the road. So um, it can be really traumatizing for young women um, and boys to be kind of put in that situation of not really feeling like you have a choice in the matter and add on to that social pressures, social um, embarrassment, you know, having to wear a brace. I know that a lot of the teens that I work with, they really can't, they're counting down the minutes and days until they can get rid of that brace and not have to ever look at it again. So. Um, that's one of the ways that 
people with scoliosis lose their bodily autonomy. Um, another way is being told by doctors that you shouldn't be having pain if you have scoliosis. You know, that's really taking away um, someone's ability to have a voice and um, feel like they have a right to actually express that they have pain. Um, if you're told that you're not supposed to have pain with scoliosis, it can really feel um, very frustrating and isolating. Um, if you're you're told that by a doctor and then you don't know anybody else that has scoliosis, you probably feel very alone in that feeling of, oh gosh, like I'm not supposed to have pain, but I do. And I guess it's not from my scoliosis. So what is it? Um, and the other way is um, even working with specialists in scoliosis, um, <clears throat> you can tend to lose your body autonomy because you um, are being told what you can and cannot do with your scoliosis or because you have your scoliosis. And those might be things that you really enjoy doing. So really rotational activities such as gymnastics or ballet or, um, you know, any, any sport. And, you know, that, that's just like another layer of well, way that you're losing your autonomy and your right to make your decisions about your own body and your physical movement decisions and choices. So what led me to talking about this topic this week were uh, several things. So my friend and my copywriter, <laughs> She's also a client of mine. She was sharing in her Instagram stories this week about um, a situation at her doctor's office. I think it may have been even urgent care. Um, she has Mar something called Marfan syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. Um, it also has... Um, People that have Marfan syndrome, they tend to have some cardiac um, complications as well. Um, and she is very informed about her condition. It is something that um, runs and is prevalent in her family. So she's seen her relatives go through certain things. So she's learned that way. And then she's also very well studied and educated. So she is probably the best advocate uh, that you could possibly have on your side. And, you know, she's not afraid to use her voice, um, which is amazing. So um, she was um, at her urgent care because she had an ear infection and her ear was really, really hurting. And um, when she went in and was speaking with the nurse, the nurse told her that, oh yeah, I'm going to prescribe you this medication. <clears throat> and um, my friend was very familiar with what type of medication it was. And she's like, yeah, I can't take that. I could have an aneurysm, an aortic aneurysm. Um, 
if I take this medication and the nurse gave her all this pushback about it and was like, well, fine, then we can't treat it. And, (laughs) you know, to first of all, be prescribed something that could possibly kill you. And you only know that because you've studied or you've had experience with somebody else experiencing Um, you know, detrimental side effects from that medication. And then you're being told there's no other option. Um, It it just, I'm laughing, but it makes me want to cry because it's just unbelievably scary to be put in that situation and then feel like, okay, well, if I hadn't advocated for myself, what would happen to me? Um, so that was one thing that happened. And then, um, this past week, I also had the chance to go on a trip, a work trip with my husband to a place called Sea Island in Georgia, highly recommended if you can ever make it there. But, um, he was there for a golf tournament and I got to tag along his company was kind enough to, you know, kind of treat me and, allow me to experience some um, of the delightful treatments that you can get at the spa. So I got my first massage in, gosh, probably over a year. And there are certain things that I know if I get a massage, certain things that I know I like, certain things that I know that I don't like. And I also know that there are certain things that aren't the greatest for my back um, that massage therapists can do. And um, I actually used my voice and said something about my preferences. So um, one of the things that I don't practice particularly like when I get a massage is when someone is pushing down into my concavities. So when I'm laying on my stomach, those are the areas that sink towards the floor and they're considered your hollow spaces. So when somebody's pushing on that area, it's pushing you further and further into that concavity and it can be really painful. Um, The other thing that can be uncomfortable for me is when um, someone is kind of pushing from my shoulders down to my hips instead of the reverse way. And it just feels really compressive to me, to my lower back. And, you know, it's something that I'm aware of and I'm able to um, say something about that. And then the last thing is just kind of bringing awareness to my prominences. So, um, you know, the areas where my back sticks out, it's more raised. Um, You know, I also have one like up near my neck um, and then in my middle back and my thoracic spine. So the tendency with some massage therapists is to like really see those areas and think that it's just purely tight muscles there. And they will focus on just digging and digging and digging into those areas 
And it's not going to change a whole lot because it's rotation of your spine and it's actually your bones that are protruding. It's not necessarily like a tight muscle. The muscle may feel tighter because of the rotation of the spine, but um, I just don't find that to be a very pleasant experience when that's the focus. So Megan in the past, me, <laughs> me in past years, I would have laid there, not said anything beforehand um, or during the massage if something was uncomfortable because I'm a people pleaser by nature. I like to go with the flow. I don't like ruffling feathers. I just, you know, I want people to be happy. So uh, that would be me in the past. And I would have paid, you know, a bunch of money for this fancy massage and not been super happy with the outcome. But I was able to talk to this masseuse beforehand and gave her some of those tips. And she was super nice. She didn't roll her eyes at me that I saw. And um, I, yeah, I had a really great experience. So I just wanted to share that. And the other thing that I, well, a couple other things that happened during the trip, excuse me. So I saw, um, side note, I saw nine visits yesterday and talked for approximately nine hours. So my throat and my voice is uh, it's deteriorating. So excuse me as I pause and sip water every once in a while uh, to restore my hydration. <clears throat> um, so the other thing during the trip that happened, um, I decided to sign myself up and two other ladies that were on the trip for a semi-private um, Pilates class. And I was excited about this because neither of these ladies had done a lot of Pilates. Like one lady had a few um, sessions with somebody before and she has scoliosis and the other lady, um, she had never done it before. So we're doing reformer work. And again, I told the instructor beforehand that I have scoliosis and there are certain movements that I just know that aren't the greatest for my back or they don't feel the best for me and I know how to modify them. And, you know, I just might be doing something a little bit different than she's recommending. So we're going through the class and it's not even, I don't know, five, 10 minutes in and she's starting to have us do like some side bending movements and things that can be a little bit compressive if you have scoliosis, especially if you go one direction or the other. And um, my friend, I could see on her face that she, it wasn't feeling very comfortable, whatever this movement was. And the instructor goes up to her and she's like, you can do it. You can do it. Like, you know, just keep trying, just keep trying. And like the tears were welling up in my friend's eyes and 
she was just looking very frustrated. So I tried to jump in for a moment and I said, Hey, you know, actually that movement isn't really the greatest for somebody that has scoliosis. And I tried to educate her a little bit why. And then by that point, my friend was feeling nauseous. So I think her nervous system was like trying to protect her and be like, Hey, like stop pushing me into these positions that I'm not really comfortable with. And she ended up having to sit out the rest of the class. (laughs) So, um, that was just kind of a icky experience and a little bit disappointing. Um, but the next day I took a different, um, equipment class, a Pilates class with a different instructor and had a really great experience. Uh, again, I told her beforehand about my, my back, my scoliosis and just kind of same thing where there are certain movements I know that aren't the greatest for me and I, I know how to modify them and just do my own thing. And the class was really great. And there was so much that I could do in the class. Like she, I don't know, (laughs) it was just a completely different experience from, uh, the first class. And obviously there's so many different factors that can play into it. It's your instructor, uh, their personality, the training that they've had, uh, just could be the day. (laughs) So I understand that, you know, it wasn't necessarily this instructor's fault. And I know that she was trying to, the first woman I'm talking about, I know she was trying to possibly encourage my friend to push outside of her comfort zone a little bit and try something new. However, when somebody keeps saying no and you are reading some signs on their face that they're uncomfortable, you know, that's kind of your sign to back off a bit and just kind of let it go. So, um, yeah, it's, it was a lot of things in one week that really opened my eyes to how important it is to be very well educated, um, on your condition And then once you're educated, using your voice. So that kind of brings me to um, giving you some tips about ways to improve your body autonomy. Um, The first way is becoming an expert in your condition. So learning as much as possible about the ins and outs of your scoliosis. So learning about what movements are good for scoliosis, what movements aren't necessarily the greatest for scoliosis, learning about your treatment options. So um, understanding that injections, medication, um, surgery are not your only options as far as scoliosis treatments go, learning, exploring other options outside of that. Um, outside, even outside of traditional physical therapy and chiropractic, learning about all of the different options that are out there as far as um, the types of scoliosis specific exercise, which I've talked about 
before. I can't remember what episode it is. If you can link it in the show notes, Sarah or Latasha, that'd be awesome. Um, And the next way is understanding your preferences and your own personal do's and don'ts. So while you might be told by a scoliosis specialist like me that end range rotation is not good for your, your scoliosis or side bending, anything to that effect, knowing how to listen to what your body is telling you it needs is so important. So if you're doing an exercise um, that's scoliosis specific, that's uncomfortable. And even though you're with a specialist and, um, you know, they are supposed to know what is best for you or best for scoliosis, you are your own expert in your own body. So never being afraid to speak up or modifying something for yourself not going through the full range of motion, making the movement um, a little bit slower, breathing through the movement. And then if it's still not working for you, just don't do it. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is, if those rotational movements do feel good for you, doing them here and there isn't the end of the world. I don't like saying that there are absolutes as far as movements with scoliosis because everybody is shaped differently. Um, Everybody's needs are different. So being able to tune in and listen to what your body is telling you it needs is super important in your body autonomy. And then finally, The last way to improve your body autonomy is learning how to use your voice or practicing using your voice. So for me personally, I am nearing 40 years old and just now getting a lot better about using my voice and standing up for myself when I'm feeling uncomfortable in situations. Um, As a people pleaser, as a teenager, there are a lot of things that, you know, happened in my adolescence where I just kind of went along with things. And I look back now where I really should have spoken up in certain situations, a lot of situations uh, where I was feeling uncomfortable and I didn't because, you know, I wanted everybody to be happy. So It takes practice. If you're somebody like me using your voice and it starts out small. So using it, just talking to people that you really respect um, and also respect you, um, just asking certain things when you go over to their house, asking if you can put a borrow a pillow to put behind your back to make you more comfortable while you're sitting at the kitchen table, Um, little things like that. And then over time, just building that muscle of using your voice in order to use it in front of medical professionals is pretty difficult because even though they may be a stranger, they're supposed to be the expert. So 
um, I understand how that may not be the most comfortable situation for you. So um, thank you. That is it for today. Um, I hope that you really enjoyed this podcast episode today. It's something that I'm very passionate about. It's why I do what I do. Um, I want people to have a better experience than I did um, living with scoliosis. You know, my experience has definitely improved now that I've learned and, you know, been able to modify things a bit in my life. But if I can help somebody, you know, a young woman, um, even any woman, or person going through uh, their walk with scoliosis, um, I will have kind of completed my mission if I just help one person. So again, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ahead of the Curve. Um, I hope you found the information and insights shared today helpful in your journey with scoliosis. Join us again next time for more discussions on living with scoliosis and ways to support those with this condition. Until then, take care and stay ahead of the curve.